Bring spring color inside this season with Bear Premium Plus paint, starting at just $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. Add a pop of blue to your kitchen with the Bear exclusive color Arrowhead Lake or a splash of Amazon jungle to your living room. Bring a cool breeze to your bathroom with sea glass or accent your bedroom with sunrise-inspired colors like coral cloud and dark crimson. Let your creativity bloom this spring with Bare Premium Plus paint starting at just $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Hi, it's Gabby Reese, and this podcast is powered by Laird Superfood. It was created in our kitchen by my husband, big wave surfer Laird Hamilton, and it all started with a simple idea. What began as Laird's secret for long-lasting energy on the waves is now Laird Superfood, offering a full range of delicious plant-based creamers, coffee, greens, and more. Visit LairdSuperfood.com and use the code GABBY2024 and save 20% on your first order. Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hi, and welcome to Car Stuff. I'm Scott. Uh, and I'm Ben. I don't know why I had to double-check that briefly, but it's all true, ladies and gentlemen. We're joined with our super producer, Noel, No Lemons Brown. Oh, I like it. Yeah, and most importantly, folks, you are here, which makes this another episode of Car Stuff. Yeah, I noticed you looked at your uh, your lapel there because you have a name tag on, of course. Yeah, well, you know, the economy being what it is. Kind of a, a hello, my name is type tag. Yeah, I used to, uh, long-time listeners, you'll recall that I used to have a, a lot of side gigs mm-hmm. as well, and I picked it back up. Uh, one of my New Year's resolutions is uh, I'm going to be a professional meeting attender. Mm. So I'm just going to different meetings. There are other businesses in our office, and it's weird. If you wear a blazer, you can just walk into places and sort of nod. You sit at the head of the table, of course. I try to, and then... Uh, a lot of hand gestures. A lot of hand gestures. you got to speak with your hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you also have to occasionally, the, the key is to not actually say very much so that people don't figure out that you don't work there. You just have to kind of nod, do a hand thing, but then don't say anything. And then say something that has an ellipsis, like leverage. <laughs> that's a great strategy. And then stiffle your fingers. Well, yeah, yeah, that's right. But And then also the way you can get out of there without having to make uncomfortable small talk at the end, uh-huh. you set an alarm that makes your phone buzz at a certain time during the meeting, like maybe five minutes after you arrive. Wait, are you doing this too? Uh, yeah, well, you know, it's a, it's a common tactic, I think. You set an alarm and then you you look at your phone as if you got a call and you, and you kind of hold up the one finger thing and you walk out. Oh, that's good. But you never return. Oh, you ghost. You become a ghost. Yeah, that's right. You leave, you leave maybe a, a notebook or something inconsequential there, of course. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, something that looks like you're going to come back. You might even leave your chair askew. Don't push it in like you're not coming back or anything, of course. But I'm uh, impressed. But, you yeah. good. I've been thinking about this. You might be one of the best meeting crashers that I've, <laughs> I've heard of. No, uh, meeting crashers. That's a little bit less, uh, less fun than a wedding crasher, of course. I don't know. I only crashed one wedding in my life, and it was super cool. Mm, yeah, well, I, mean, I think it really is cool. I think it's a, a fun thing to do. I've kind of, I've wandered over to other weddings before. If they're, you know, being uh, the uh, receptions are being held mm-hmm. uh, at the same hall or whatever, you know, or you've a, been like, "Get out of my house! Who are you, people?" It's a common thing. You don't linger too long. I mean, because you know you'll be found out. But uh, you, can, you can hang out. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, never use your real name. Uh, and I think that uh, that's. An interesting way to begin because we're talking about some of the best and worst things. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is our first recording session of the new year. Mm-hmm. And so we thought we would look back with some help from our friends at Autoblog. Yeah. Now here, this is something we need to definitely get out there. Oh, for sure. Okay. When we say we're talking about the best and worst cars of 2015, uh, this is, this is really an Autoblog list. And you, and if you want to follow along with this, and I, I, I encourage you to do this because it was, it was pretty clever the way they did this. They made two separate articles, uh, the Autoblog reviewers, and they, they get to drive, as they say, 
hundreds of vehicles every year. It's true. Yeah. Uh, they get lots of stuff. You and I, Ben, we get none of this. So, you know, we've got uh, maybe some limited experience in, in new vehicles, you know, friends that drive uh, newer cars than ours. But by no means here at work do we get our hands on 2015 or 2016 model year cars like the guys at Autoblog do for these reviews. It's just not what we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's why we're going to follow along with this uh, this best of and worst of list. And uh, i got to be honest with you. We're going to save the worst of list for the second half. And uh, to me, yeah, comical. Yeah, it's it, uh, it's the most fun part and surprising. That's a, that's the other thing is that there's some real surprises on here. Stuff that is, is eye opening when you read it about the manufacturers and the the type of vehicle and what you get for your money or for you know the, this new vehicle. So I got it all kind of broken down here, and we're going to start with best, as I said, and I'll, yeah. I'll do this with both of these. But um, there's seven vehicles total on the best list, and they're, I've got them broken down by manufacturer. Um, these vehicles appear on the list one time, Volvo, Audi, Tesla, Mazda, McLaren, and then Mercedes Benz appears on the best of list twice. Now, if you want to break it down by model year, five of those seven are from the 2016 model year and two of them come from the 2015 model year. So really that's a car that was out in 2014 mm-hmm. as a 2015 model and the price range. This is, this is interesting. Now I said McLaren. So you right. all can guess which know. one, you know which one this is. The price range is from $288,000, and you may be thinking, well, of course that's going to be on the list, you know, the best of. Right. One of the cars on the best of list prices in at just twenty four nine. That's MSRP. No way. Yeah, so under $25,000 for under one of the, the... average price for a sedan. Yeah, exactly. And that's one of the best vehicles that these reviewers from Autoblog drove in 2015. Well, let's dive into it, my friend. All right. So the best of cars. And, uh, again, so many of these, but this is, the idea is that these are vehicles that make the list because they're, they're kind of like the best daily driver type vehicles. The ones that are right. the most all around good vehicles. The, You're right. Not necessarily excelling in a particular thing like speed or safety. Not that they're slow and unsafe. I'm just saying they're all around above average. Exactly right. You know, when compared to those other hundreds of vehicles that they've driven. Now. And let's see if you can guess some of these as we go along. The first one, the 2016 Mercedes AMG C63S. Okay. So right away we start off with an expensive one. And they're, yeah. they're, I promise you they're not all this way. The first two are going to be but again, these are not like, it's not like a top 10 list where it's, you know, there's going to be an ultimate number one best and ultimate number one worst. Right. These are just kind of, you know, the reviewer's idea of, you know, where they, where they are. Um, all right. So what they start out by saying about this one is, is that it is a proper Mercedes. And they say it may not go around the track any faster than an M3, but in the real world on real roads, the latest C-Class AMG is without peers in its class. I think that's pretty important to say something for sure. Uh, cause it stands out among other vehicles exactly like, or in that same market, I guess. And this is, by the way, Jeremy, uh, Korsniewski, mm-hmm. uh, who says this. We'll try to give you the name of each one if I remember to, yeah. of each reviewer. But he says all of Mercedes-Benz C-Class models are endowed with lovely interiors. And that's especially true of the C63 when optioned with the available Leather interior and brown, I think it's called Design O is the name of it or something like that. Yeah. Um, it's just a trademark name from Mercedes, probably. And uh, previously it had a 6.2 liter V8, but now it has a 4.0 liter turbocharged unit in the 2015. Yeah, and it has that, uh, was it 503 yeah. horsepower, 516 pound-feet of torque? Mm-hmm. So they say that, you know, if you want the true experience of this vehicle, you you roll down the windows and you mash the gas pedal because uh, that's where you get kind of the, the best sound, I suppose. No, um, I'll be honest with you. I'm not the biggest fan of the rounded front styling. Yeah, I, yeah. I agree. I'm not I'm not that uh, much of a fan of that as well. Um, the, the overall looks of it, of course, is an AMG, so it's going to be a little bit lower, a little bit wider sure. appearing because of that, that low stance and the wheels that they put on it and the trim packages that it comes with and, you know, the colors that they have as options. Um, but in this case, they say what you get what you pay for and in this case you're going to pay uh boy msrp is right around seventy three thousand two hundred fifty dollars so that's an expensive one now moving on to the next one which is the most expensive one on the list and uh, out of the range of most people in the that are in our uh listening audience i would guess i mean there might be a few out there that can afford this uh (laughs) i am not one i don't know about you ben i'm guessing probably not and if you could you probably wouldn't do it because uh well you've said in the past you're kind of a penny pincher right yeah, uh, I am too. Don't like, don't think like anything's wrong with that. The old Boy Scout oath: thrifty, brave, clean, and reverent. Man. Nothing wrong with that. Now, two reviewers said that they 
Love this vehicle. It was Alex Kirsten mm-hmm. or Kirstein and Greg Miglior. And uh, both of them said that, you know, out of all these vehicles, this is probably the one they got the most attention in when they were out on the road in it. Yeah. The one thing that's really cool is Alex says, uh, have you ever driven an Aventador? Let me tell you what it's like. It's like a roller coaster that costs $400,000 to ride too much and you'll be sick. And he says, I'm not, I'm not a supercar guy. But when he drives the 650S, he forgets all of that. So the acceleration is perfect. It's comfortable without coddling you. It's the best steering he's ever experienced in his life. He said he racked up nearly 100 miles just blasting around with no particular destination. Oh, yeah. And then Greg kind of furthers that by saying, uh, you know, with you know all of it combined, the whole experience, the steering, the engine noise, the wind ab- above head, because uh, this is the spider version we're talking about. Um, they said that it, it sounds cliche, but you know it's it's all seared into your brain. Is like you know that's the, that's the McLaren experience. That's the uh, the general idea behind this whole thing. And you can imagine. I mean, Ben, you and I have been to car shows where we've seen these in person. Uh, I've seen the owners, and they've got a, a wide smile on their face. It seems like all the time. Uh, yeah. You know, even just moving it in the parking lot. Looks like fun. It's good to be king. Man. Oh man, what a beautiful car! And we we've got a uh, a local Lamborghini dealer here in town, and I think they sell like they sell really unique vehicles. They sell uh, Lamborghini. There's Lotus. There's also I'm trying to think what's on the lot there. Spiker vehicles are on the lot sometimes, which are really rare. Yeah. Um. Of course, McLaren's there now. I get to see these sometimes just out stretching their legs. You know, the the dealers will take them out in a uh, kind of like a train fashion, mm-hmm. where you'll see seven McLarens in a row. Where they go out of this big pathway, you know, like down, down the main road, out onto the highway, and then back around, back to the dealership. And it's really impressive every single time I see it. It's, it's almost like a impromptu car show or something. <laughs> but, uh, but I love the look of McLaren. It's just a beautiful car, very clean, very purpose built. And, uh, and I really like it. Uh, of course, if I had $300,000, would I buy it? I don't, I don't really even know the answer to that. I, I'm not sure. It's, it's one that we've talked about many times. Would you, if you had the money, oh, would you even do it? I don't know. I am having a hard time answering that question. <laughs> that, was, that was a long pause. It was a long pause yeah. because I'm thinking, you, you know, I'm thinking about how amazing it would be to have it. And then I'm also thinking about maintenance costs. Oh, see, okay. Here, okay. We've talked about this too. Yeah. There are somewhat affordable Ferraris out there. Right. I mean, if you go back far enough in the right model year, you can find, uh, you know, like the, was it the 308 model that, uh, the kind of like Magnum PI. Everybody says that. The one, the kind that Magnum PI <laughs> sure, drove. Sure. Yeah. Great. You can find one of those for $25,000 or something like that. You know, affordable sort of for a toy, but then you get into the point where you have to change that timing belt. Yeah. And that becomes a, an enormous expense and, and uh, oil changes and all kinds of stuff like that that you just don't really think about when you see that initial number, but it all plays in, it should all play into your decision. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step and into your home too shop blinds.com right now and save 40 percent site-wide get 40 percent off for a limited time at blinds.com blinds.com rules and restrictions may apply witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 infinity qx80 Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, 
Only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com stereo right now. NetSuite.com stereo. NetSuite.com stereo. I don't know if it will, though. That's the thing. When I have the cash on hand, that stuff is going to fly out the window. Ah, Well, here's one that you won't need a lot of cash on hand for because it's the next one on our list that is actually the low end of the scale. Right. Yeah. The 2016 Mazda MX-5 Miata. Yeah. And I guess, I don't know why I'm surprised to see it on the list, but, you know, once I read the first two, I thought this was going to be an all kind of top end two seat sports car type list, you know, or something similar. This one, the MSRP is $24,900, or right around there. And um, the reviewer for this one, the guy that picked it, his name is Stephen Ewing. And he was just over and above praising this vehicle, saying that not only is it the best car that he drove last year, <laughs> simply put, this is his favorite car, period, ever. Full stop. Yeah, full stop. That's it. I mean, he says that it's the car that keeps him up at night checking his bank account balance and and checking dealer inventories to see if it's available. And uh, he really thinks about it that much. He said he's put over a 1,000 miles on this car or on various different versions of this new Miata. And, uh, you know, above and beyond all those other cars he drove, and I'm assuming that he got to drive the McLaren, he got to drive the the Mercedes we talked about earlier and other vehicles because that's the way it works. You know, you pass the vehicles around the yeah, office a bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he says, this is a machine that's built by enthusiasts for enthusiasts in a world where autonomous technology is slowly taking over. And this car is still remaining like, it's kind of like the analog version. It's still a driver's vehicle. Yeah. And, uh, and that's what he really appreciated about it. And I can completely understand that. We've got a lot of uh, Miata fans here in uh, in our car stuff listening uh, oh, sure. Audience. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, they, they write in with uh, nothing but respect for the Mazda Miata, all versions of it, as a matter of fact, from, from Generation 1 all the way through right now. That's one thing I like about the Miata community, man, is that they're not near as divisive oh, as exactly. so many other groups. Yeah, you're right. You're right. They're all-inclusive, and they love to write in and share pictures uh, with us of, of upgrades or, uh, you know, different wheel treatments or yeah. whatever they're doing. It's it's always really interesting. I love I love seeing the photographs of the, the Miatas because... It seems like they're they're highly customizable. Yeah. Uh, it seems like people who are into the Miata are really into the Miata. I mean, they're really big fans. But they take it out for track days. They drive it around town. They have friends that drive Miatas. They talk about Miatas. They tell us about the latest kits that are available, you know, for upgrades, you know, whether it be engine, transmission, shifters, whatever it happens to be. We get a lot of, uh, of I guess, car stuff, fan mail, if you want to put it that way. But uh-huh. a lot of just kind of um, checking in type notes that say, Hey, take a look at what I just did this weekend. It's it was so much fun, and here's why. But it's it's really is a it's a tight knit community, I think. Um, but then again, there's so many of these little tight knit communities all over the U.S. I mean, it's right. it's really a pretty big following here. Ah, uh, speaking of big followings, this takes us to the next one. This one I expected and predicted would be on the list, yeah. just because everybody's gone nuts over it. Oh, sure, yeah. This is the uh, the 2016 Tesla Model S. P90D. Now, the SP90D indicates that that is uh, um, an upgrade to the battery pack. I believe it means an extended range. But mm-hmm. the S, and not just, it's, of course, the Model S, P is performance, so that means that this is the one that will do that, uh, what's the, the mode that they say? Is it ludicrous mode? Is oh, that it? yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's super fast acceleration, the one that uh, you've seen lots of videos online about. Um, here's how the, this, uh, this reviewer, David Gluckman, mentioned it. He said, Acceleration is the party trick, and range is what you use every day. So, you know, you can you can show off and do a few of these uh, ludicrous launches, I guess, if you want sure. to. But if you're really driving this, you know, to and from work or to the grocery store or whatever, you're a little bit more conservative with the uh, with the throttle on this one. Yeah, 
And this is something that we talked about in a previous podcast that he brings up. He says he's intrigued with this perspective of it being a piece of technology, yeah. a gadget. Yeah, you can go far or you can go quick, but you can't do both on the same charges, the way he put it. And I like the way he, he kind of uh, balances these out that way. He's done it a couple of times here. Uh, but again, it's a clever a clever way of saying that, you know, this this 250-mile range thing is possible, but... You're not going to be launching from every light like uh, like you see in the videos, but right. it, it's a solid vehicle for getting around town. And of course, we've we've had talks about you know uh, Tesla in general. I guess you know their their non dealership or what do you want to call it their their sales model that's yeah. completely breaking the mold of what everybody expects. Direct sales, yeah, direct sales. That's it. And um, also just I guess the the general way that their founder does things because we hear about something that Elon Musk is doing in the news just about every day. It seems like there's always news about Tesla Motors. Every every single week at minimum. Yeah, that, I mean? maybe week is a better. Not every day, but every week. It seems like there's something coming out about this uh, this company or the founder or you know other plans outside of the uh, the auto manufacturing realm that they're playing in, whether it's the right. Hyperloop or you know whatever else they're playing or with. Space exploration. Yeah. Well, well, here's something that. I would spend the money on if I if I had the chance, Scott. And that's our next one, the 2015 Audi RS5. I agree with Brandon Turkis. This is probably my favorite. Uh, really? Yeah. It's a 2015 model, so it's one of the few uh, 2015 models that uh, that are on the list. In fact, there's only two of those on the list. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah, that's kind of the idea behind this, right? He says, and I like the way he starts it. He says, is it weird that the best car I drove in 2015 originally debuted in 2010 and has an engine the first launched a decade ago. Uh, so maybe, but if you take a spin in the Audi RS5, I'm sure you'll be just as gaga over it as I am. And, uh, the way, what he points out here is that outside of Ford's, you know, the Ford Mustang GT5 liter, you know, the, uh, the, yeah. the V8, he says there just isn't a high revving mass produced V8 quite like Audi's, you know, this, this 4.2 liter high revving V8 that they've got that they've used for, again, a decade in the, in these vehicles. It revs up to 8,500 RPM, which he says, I like this. He says it's like hearing James Earl Jones singing, but as a soprano. <laughs> I have nothing but good stuff to say about this one. <laughs> well, it's got a seven-speed dual-clutch transmission. Mm-hmm. Um says that, you know, that's kind of one of these things is like it feels like it's, it's old school, but in the best way possible because right. the inside is aged really well. It's not that, you know, it's it's completely out of date or anything like that. Um, he says that it's the kind of car where if you lock it and you walk away from it, you're, you're more apt to take a glance back at it, you know, when you walk away. And that's one of the things that I think we've talked about this in 2015. Mm-hmm. If you have a car that you, as you're walking away from the parking lot, if you, if you don't look back at your car, <laughs> I don't think you like your car all that much. Cause I always look back at my car. I always try to see what it looks like in different light or parked at different angles or, or whatever. I consistently do that. When I'm, when I'm walking away, I'll, I'll look at it from 20 or 30 feet away and then maybe even again at 50 feet away. I almost yeah. always do it. I do the same thing sometimes out of paranoia. I want to make sure no one's messing with it. Yeah. Or to make sure that the lights are flashing to indicate that it is locking or something. <laughs> yeah. But, but I, but I really do look at it just to see how it looks. I like, you know, at, at nighttime when you pull up to a gas station, there's different lighting there. Oh, that's cool. I like yeah. how that looks. I mean, I think if you really enjoy the vehicle that you drive, that's something that you do. And, and that's exactly what he says about this is that, you know, you give it that second glance when you walk away from it. No, I want to see what you think about this next one. The next 2015 model year, which is the 2015 Mercedes-Benz C-Class. Ah, yes. Yeah, and this one at MSRP is at around about 38.5 is right about where the uh, the price is on this, the price point. And as this reviewer says, his name is Dan Roth, by the way. Dan says uh-huh. that um, first of all, he really likes the new interior. He said it's a thing to behold. If that's a <laughs> that's a good way to describe it. And he says that now that Mercedes, I know this is confusing, but now that Mercedes has the CLA, they can kind of put some of their lower end stuff in that vehicle. Ah, and yes. they can focus more on making the C class, which again is confusing, I understand, but they can make it a little bit larger, a little bit more expensive, and a lot better. Yeah, yeah, there's, uh, there's a little bit more breathing room. For yeah, that. and they can say that it's not, it not, it never was really a bad car, but now they can kind of give it the, the credibility to live up as it's billing as a, uh, like a smaller S-class vehicle. Yeah. In that range, I guess. Um, so, you know, nothing but good things to say about this one. He says, this is how you do a new model, really. <laughs> so, makes sense. Now, speaking of new models, we come to the last of the best cars. Yeah. 
Before we get to the very entertaining list of worst vehicles, yes. by the way. And this one, Ben, uh, I, I don't know if I'm really surprised by the make and model or anything, but the price point, I had no idea that, that they could go up to this expensive. The MSRP on this vehicle is between 49000 and up to 65000 for this vehicle, but you get a lot of good stuff for that in the 2016 Volvo XC90 model. Yeah, sixty-five grand is going to surprise a lot of people. That's with every bell and all of the whistles, including. And I need to, I need to put yeah, this up front, yeah, Ben. Up. Including that they have kind of their own proprietary infotainment center. And I know that's a funny thing to lead with, but they have something called the Volvo Census Connect system, which is kind of like a direct competitor to some of the other systems. Yeah, we talked Apple about. CarPlay, Android Auto, and that Census spelled S-E-N-S-U-S. So. The thing is, Pete Bigelow, who's the journalist writing about this, he says that the Census Connect is intuitive, easy, and seamless. He thinks it's uh, he thinks it's like a case test or a, a leading example of how to do this proprietary manufacturer created stuff correctly. Yeah, but there's more to this vehicle than just that infotainment system. Sure. So the rest of the XC90, as he says, is plush, comfortable, true to the Volvo history. So it's focused on safety. And the uh, it says it's got adaptive cruise control system, which is the smoothest and most refined he's ever experienced among all automakers. Which is a uh, that's a that's a pretty uh, it's a pretty big feather in their cap, I guess, to say that because this guy drives a lot of cars. Right. And he says, with the possible exception, uh, so there's one exception of Nissan's equally good adaptive cruise. So he's only saying that it's equally as good as uh, the Nissan system. Yeah. Um, but again, still that's a that's a high mark. He says that uh, Volvo also places a heavy bet on autonomous technology. Uh, which is uh, not well. It's 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 arriving. It's coming. It's not too far away at this point, as right. we have talked about so many times on this podcast. Um, but it, he says it it was actually comforting to see how the active lane assist provided. Uh, you know, like these little corrections as he was driving. Um, it wasn't something that was over intrusive. It wasn't something that uh, he felt was overstepping its bounds. Right. Exactly. And. Now that we have eaten our vegetables, right, it's time for the good stuff. <laughs> yeah, you know, I find the worst of list uh, more entertaining, and there's a couple of qualifiers to the, the worst of list, and we'll kind of hustle through these, really. It won't, we won't take too long. I'm going to try to read as much of these as I can because they're very comical. Okay. Um, okay, go ahead. 2015 Mercedes-Benz GLA 250. Yeah, okay, now... Can I, can I just say one quick thing before yeah, we jump yeah, into it? Cause yeah. it is funny. Okay. But they point out as well as we have pointed out for about the last three or four years that there really aren't a lot of bad cars out there, like truly bad vehicles. Like, you know, when the, when the Yugo launched here in the, right. the, the United in the States. Sense. No, not in the old sense in that you're going to probably be pushing these things home from the dealer or anything like that. These just happen to fall at the bottom end of the scale out of those hundreds of vehicles they drive. So they're not terrible cars, but there's a reason that these are on the bad list. So you mentioned the first one. Yeah, sorry, I jumped the gun. No, no, that's all right. That's all right. The, because... 20, the 2015 Mercedes-Benz GLA 250. Right. Jeremy Korzniewski says that there are some things Mercedes does really well. Going cheap is not one of them. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Which now, made me laugh. Well, going cheap, and I mean, okay, so cheap for Mercedes, I mean, the, the base price for one of these is about 32250 so it's not all that cheap. It falls right in line with the standard sedan price. But the uh, he says that the, the GLA's 250's 208 horsepower and 258 pound-feet of torque isn't really enough to get excited about. And its seven-speed automatic transmission struggles to serve up the exact right amount of acceleration its driver is calling for. So it's not responding the way that he thought it would. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other. As Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer John Batiste. The all-new Infinity QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Okay, quick math. 
The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com stereo right now. NetSuite.com stereo. NetSuite.com stereo. Ready to bring some spring vibes indoors? Bare Premium Plus Paint is here to make it happen. And it's starting at only $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. Picture your kitchen coming to life by adding a pop of blue with the bare exclusive color Arrowhead Lake. And let's not forget your living room. Picture it drenched in the lush, verdant tones of Amazon jungle, breathing new life into your space with every glance. Head into your bathroom and let the cool breeze of sea glass wash away all your stress. And when the morning sun peeks through your bedroom window, feel the warmth and comfort of a spring sunrise with shades like coral cloud and dark crimson. Whatever your inspiration, start your spring with a durable finish that resists dirt and grime to last all season. And let your creativity bloom with Bare Premium Plus paint, starting at just $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Uh, worse yet, its ride is rough, somehow managing to feel both bouncy and jarring at the same time. This is a Mercedes we're talking about, Ben. Right, and listeners, you'll remember that this is the same guy, the same reviewer who picked a Mercedes-Benz as his favorite car he drove. In yeah, so he's not biased against Mercedes right. by any means, but he's saying that this is the worst car he drove all of last year. And that's a, I mean, that's really saying something. And these usually boil down to kind of the uh, the end statement, but he says, uh, he says, if you're shopping for a new crossover or want to stay under 40000 do yourself a favor and look elsewhere, perhaps at your nearest Mazda dealership where you can uh, buy something <laughs> yeah. absolutely loaded like a CX-5 for the same price as a stripped GLA. You'd surely enjoy it, uh, the driving experience much more if you're willing to forego the three-point badge in this price bracket. So he's really saying you're just buying the brand at this point. Right. Um, and, and these get more harsh as we go along here. And starting with the next one, the 2015 BMW M4 convertible. Can you believe that made the list? Yeah. I, is, I barely can, but after reading it, this is a $72,500 vehicle. So you would think that this would not be bad. And, and can I just take one moment to take a sidebar out here before yeah, yeah. I read this? Yeah. This is why it's so critical to read uh, as much as you possibly can about any vehicle you're going to buy. Because when you read stuff like this, and this is somebody who is a a seasoned veteran of uh, of reviewing vehicles. His name is Michael Austin, works at Autoblog. When you read stuff like this and you realize, like, well, this person's driven a lot of vehicles, and this one is the worst one that they drove last year, you might think twice about plunking down 72.5 for a BMW convertible next time, this, uh, this M4. So here's what he says about this one. He says, under the skin, the latest BMW M3 M4 is just as special as previous versions. But too bad you can't tell by driving it. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and uh, there are some other classic lines here. I don't begrudge the convertible model's existence. I'm yeah. not even going to read the rest well, of it. Yeah, he says, he says that you know BMW's M cars, even the more plush recent models, used to give you goosebumps just pulling out of the driveway. But this one, um, it just feels like it's, uh, as he says, video game numb. There's synthesized engine noise. Uh, he says that sounds That's like something. Worst. Yeah, well, yeah, but and we do had a whole episode on that too, right? Fake exhaust. I mean, it's your car. He but... says it sounds like something that comes from a 1980s era Yamaha keyboard. And he says, and by the way, BMWs are not the Whopper. I like the way he put that. He <laughs> says I don't want it my way through endless custom settings. I want the car the way engineers decided was the best way. That's the way it should be. Yeah, that's a pretty good point. And some people won't agree with it, but I totally see what he's saying. Yeah, and he's also saying, you know, I, I truly do, you know, again, this is Michael's talking, but he says, I truly do hate that kind of old mantra that, you know, the old car was better. You know, I don't like yeah. to say that, but uh, but in this case, it's absolutely true. He says, it's not that the M4 convertible isn't as good as the car that came before it. It's just simply it's not, not good. good. Yeah. Can you believe that? I, I mean, For, that was... 
It was eye-opening, I guess. Yeah. I mean, really, when you look at the vehicle and you, you see them all around you on the road, mm-hmm. or at least we do here in Atlanta, it's a it's a big um, import market. And here, um, expensive. Here yeah. Yeah. It's too expensive. It's no, here's expensive another, here's another one that's, uh, oh, boy, this one's got some bad reviews. This one is from Brandon Turkus. Yeah. Uh, this is the 2016 Mitsubishi Outlander. And it's, uh, you know, I'll, I'll say this. I've said it before. I think Outlander is a dumb name for a car. <laughs> Is that right? like the name that they would call someone new to town in a in a fictional thing. It's uh, it's relatively low on the price list as well. It's not sure. the lowest one on our list. No, uh, not yet. This is a uh, this is priced at twenty two thousand nine hundred dollars, and it's a mid sized crossover vehicle. You can think of the other cars in the uh, in the division or the group: uh, the Pilot, the Durango, the Explorer, Santa Fe, things like that. So you can you get a picture of what it's competing against. The thing is. That's the problem. It's what it's competing against. Right. This is a very, very cutthroat part of the car market now, the vehicle market. Yeah. Mid-sized uh, crossovers. Yeah. Every vehicle is this segment, according to Brandon Turkus, is better to drive. Every single one. The V6, he says, in the Outlander is underpowered, unpleasant, and unrefined. It's thirsty. It requires premium fuel. The ride's disconnected. The seats are uncomfortable. Uh, but he does give it one compliment, Ben. Well, sort of an underhanded compliment, I guess. He says this new Outlander would have been a great vehicle in 2006. 2006. Yeah, in Burn. 2006. Can you believe that? So he's he's comparing this to a vehicle that at this point would be 10 years old. Um, so it's what, more that they, he's saying that it's just late to the game. Yeah, it is. I mean, one good thing, they it really, one of the good things about it is that it is a seven-passenger vehicle, which is tough to find in that segment, in the in the mid-size crossover segment. There's a, mm-hmm. There's a bigger size that... It's more common, but that's really about the only good thing they had to say about the the Mitsubishi Outlander. And I guess you can pile on the Mitsubishi, sure. So um, <laughs> I, I understand why they do it. Now, here's the um, this is the low end of our price range. Uh, this next vehicle is the 2016 Scion IM, and that's priced at eighteen thousand four hundred sixty dollars MSRP. The thing about this one is. Timing is everything. Right place, wrong time. Yeah. David Gluckman says there's nothing particularly terrible about the Scion IM. It just arrived at the worst possible time. Specifically, it launched right alongside the Scion IA sedan. Yeah. Now, here's what the idea is that Scion decided to sell a version of the Mazda 2, uh, which was called the IA, uh, which they thought was a smart move. Uh-huh. And they chose to rebadge a Euro market Auris, A-U, spelled A-U-R-I-S, um, as its hatchback sidekick. And the thing is, he says, I think we all would have preferred to get the Mazda 2 hatchback with a Scion badge instead of what we got here. One more quote. Everything the IA excels at. Good steering, clean interior design, a nice manual transmission, okay styling apart from the catfish mouth up front. Highlights where the IM falls flat. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so... The thing is that there's like this mental comparison that you do. You know, it's like when it arrived in the marketplace. On its own, it might have been a decent vehicle. It might have uh, not landed on the worst of list. Right. But once you compare it to what's already there, that's the problem. And that's exactly what happened with this one. So uh, too bad for Scion on that one because they have some other, you know, quality product as well out there. And, you know, stuff that didn't make it to the worst of list, stuff that didn't make it to the best of list, but kind of middle of the road. Can I just read part of this next one? Of course you can. You know BMW's tagline, the ultimate driving machine? Well, this isn't it. This isn't the ultimate anything machine. Maybe the ultimate stupidity machine. Maybe. (laughs) Stephen Ewing on the 2015 BMW X4. Yeah, the ultimate stupidity machine. Wow, that's pretty harsh. Uh, A lot of these are harsh. And, you know, there's a lot of humor spread throughout this list as well, as you'll find. If you read the whole thing, you'll, you'll understand what we're talking about. But... Um, Stephen also goes on to say that, you know, BMW is so focused on chasing niche markets these days that it's moving farther and farther away from actually making good driver's cars. Now, that's what BMW is known for. Right. They're, yeah. uh, they're so focused on making, uh, you know, driver's vehicles. We've, we've definitely talked about that in the past with the M vehicle podcast that we did. Uh, this is one that comes in at $44,700. Um, it's an expensive vehicle. This, uh, this X4. Again, it's a, uh, it looks like a, it's, I guess it'd be a small crossover vehicle, right? Uh, mid, yeah. mid-size crossover, maybe. Four door, um, kind of taller on the, uh, on the scale, I guess. I don't know how to better put that, but it's, uh, oh my gosh. They say the X4 is a perfect example of what they're doing wrong. It, it looks bad. It drives like crap. It has very little interior space and is less functional 
than a cheaper offering like the 3 Series Sportwagon or X3. There is literally no reason to buy the X4 over any other BMW or anything else in its class, as a matter of fact. So, again, read these reviews before you buy a new car, because if you just put down nearly 45000 or $50,000 for this BMW X4 in 2015, uh, you might have got a bad vehicle. No. Or bad comparatively. Right, yeah. I, I got to say, though, on this next one, oh, man, I, I feel a little bit of, what's it called, confirmation bias. <laughs> I do have a little bit of prejudice against uh, Lexus historically. Really? Yeah, a little bit. Okay. They had some hits and some misses. Okay. I, I kind of agree with you. This is a miss. The 2016 Lexus GX 460. Oh, yeah. Now, this is a big one. Okay. And, and again, above $50,000 MSRP. It's right around $51,000. Uh-huh. As uh, this reviewer, Pat Bigelow, says, Lexus alleges a pursuit of perfection in its marketing slogan, but the brand new GX 460 counts as a blight upon that claim. Mm-hmm. So it uh, definitely doesn't match up to exactly what they say. In fact, it's an all-around disappointment. I didn't expect the big SUV feel uh, to feel like a sports car, but its 301 horsepower and 329 pound-feet of torque were sorely lacking and made for a frustrating experience in pretty much every driving condition. Wow. Yeah. That's saying a lot. It sure is. And then he says, uh, at the price, you'd think the options would include standard luxury features like adaptive cruise control, power rear gate. But those features, standard in many cars at half the price, were absent here. And if you think you're going to get fuel economy out of something like this, because that's something that uh, you might think, well, when right, you're trading yeah. off, you know, it's, it's not as powerful. Performance for economy. It's going to have better economy, right? Well, that's not the case. He says the GX... 460 achieved a pitiful 18 and a half miles per gallon during my seven days with it. And that included almost entirely highway driving. So if you're getting 18 and a half miles per gallon average in something that, uh, you know, you're expecting much, much higher. Cause That's bad. I think the EPA estimate or the claims were a little bit higher on that, maybe up to like 20, I think. Um, but it, he wasn't getting anywhere near that. Um, he also says that it only accepts premium fuel, which uh, I find is a, uh, a situation that a lot of new car owners are dealing with right, right now because yeah. of uh, they have real high compression ratings. They're they're trying to machine things so tight and and make, you make do with smaller engines. Uh, the compression ratings are much much higher, and they have to do they have to have premium fuel in order to make them work correctly. The window sticker on this vehicle says that you're going to spend about five thousand five hundred dollars more in fuel over five years compared to the average new vehicle. So you're paying for that as well. I mean, it's just it gets to be uh, you know where. Where's the jumping off point, Ben? Yeah. Where you decide, uh, it's not for me. That's not the car for well, me. Well, that's not even the worst because Pete says that for 80% of my time with the car, I received a no signal message in the satellite radio, even though I had no problems around the same routes in my actual car. And the car had numerous problems detecting the key fob. And he couldn't figure out why. Oh, that would be super frustrating because you would be in the vehicle or, you know, maybe just yeah. approaching the vehicle. It wouldn't recognize you, and you wouldn't be able to start the vehicle. So uh, that's a huge problem. That is a major problem. But he said there was no apparent rhyme or reason to any of this. And he says there are plenty of vehicles that offer better technology, better entertainment, and better luxury at half the price. And here's – Holy cow. Yeah, don't call it a comeback, but somebody won a dubious honor of appearing on this list. Oh, yeah, twice. that's right. Okay, so – Mitsubishi, as we said before, you know, they're piling on it, but it, it, they say it's easy to pile on, but, uh, but there's a reason. They, they've got a couple of bad products out there, at least in comparison to the other vehicles they drove. Maybe that's a better, a more fair way to say it. Ladies and gentlemen, the 2015 Mitsubishi Outlander Sport. Ah, so we added Sport to uh-huh. the Outlander and it didn't make any difference. So this is the uh, $19,585 MSRP Outlander Sport from 2015 and Oh my gosh! They say in this uh, in this group in this uh, in this division, it's definitely subpar. Yeah. It doesn't stack up to everything else in the uh, um, in, in the group. And again, they say it's it's harsh riding. Um, the infotainment system is just bad. They they say that they think it looks kind of good. It's a it's a nice looking vehicle. Yeah, but it's in a very competitive segment. Yeah, that's the problem, and that's that's what Greg Miglior said. And there's another one. Uh, Dan Roth also picks this as his uh-huh. worst, and said that. You know, you'd think that, you know, it would be kind of an open and shut case for a company like Mitsubishi to offer something like a compact crossover vehicle, because uh, that's kind of the way you get into the market. You know, everybody can offer something like that and be competitive. But again, 
everybody offers something like that, and that's the problem, that it is very competitive. Uh, the problem is the Outlander sport is just no good. It just doesn't have um, what it takes to, to claw ahead of the competition. The uh, the price range, I guess it starts around 20000 but really, the, the price—I mean—it says you can you can go all the way up to about thirty thousand dollars for this thing, mm-hmm. and uh, you know Dan says that thirty grand buys a whole lot of excellent crossovers, where you don't have to suffer with an uh, CVT or an infot- infotainment system that, um, <laughs> one that he says made him raise his fist in anger. Yeah, that was my uh, that's how, part that's too. how frustrating he was. But he says you know it's a tough segment to be in to begin with. You know, as we said so yeah. many times, competition's fierce in the segment, but. The Outlander is on a 10-year-old platform, and that just makes it even worse. They just can't keep up, and that's the problem. They keep trying. And uh, listeners, you'll notice that quite a few of the criticisms come not necessarily because a car is inherently bad. It's just not up to snuff in comparison. Yeah, and and again, I feel like we have to keep coming back to that. It's just that all these cars that are on the road right now, there's really nothing bad. You can't make a bad decision right now. There's really... All these cars are going to last you 100,000 miles at least. Yeah. 200, 300,000 is not out of the question if you do routine maintenance. You know, even more, of course. Uh, we, we've so many times on our podcast said, really, just do the research and find what you want because you can kind of fine-tune this, uh, you know, based on – with so many different shopping tools out there. You can fine-tune it based on price or based on options or based on, um, you know, your powertrain needs or based on uh, hauling needs or whatever. There, there's so many options out there. And they're all really good choices. They're solid choices. And you and I briefly mentioned, we didn't talk about it yet, but we we just briefly said a lot of this is due to what we'll complain about as well, some yeah. of the government regulations, some, uh, of the, some of the ideas that, you know, every car now has to have ABS. Every car now has to have um, stability control. A lot of that, I mean, sure... Everybody hates to say like the government's regulating what right. you're what you're doing or what you're getting, but to be honest, it's making some pretty darn good automobiles or at least reliable automobiles available to us. And speaking of uh, the opposite of reliable automobiles, <laughs> okay. we have one more left. Well, I don't know about reliable. It is reliable. I mean, we can't say anything to reliability. We can't I speak know. to reliability, but we can say. Um, that it's sort of, uh, it's getting long in the tooth, maybe. That's maybe the best way to say That's it. That's what we can say. You know what? You're right. It is reliable, but it might be toward the end of its glory days. Yeah, I think maybe the cycle's over for this one. The 2015 Hyundai Genesis Coupe. Okay, this is a car that we've praised in the past. I don't have a problem with it. No, I don't either. I still don't have a, a, a problem with the looks or anything like that, but here, here's the problem. This car, as we talked about in our Pony Car episode, and we had uh, Christian come in and talk with us. Yeah. One of our first and only guests, really, on on our show, even. Uh, we had a pony car discussion here on car mm-hmm. stuff, and one of the cars that we brought up as being in the pony car segment was this Hyundai Genesis Coupe, and that sparked a little bit of controversy, uh, but they do claim that it is in that group, and the problem is that the Camaro and Mustang, which are also in that group, among other vehicles, there's also the uh, the Challenger now, of course, too, but the Genesis has just simply not kept up with the rest of the group. The other cars have mm-hmm. refined themselves, they've tweaked them, they've improved them in some way that makes them just far better versions of themselves, but the Genesis has remained stagnant. Yes. Relatively stagnant. I mean, comparatively, that's a better way to say it comparatively. Um, so while the others are, are far, far better versions of themselves, um, and despite having all the theoretical components of a, a legitimate middle ground kind of between muscle and import sports coupe vehicle, as, uh, as Alex Kirsten says, right. This one simply just doesn't, uh, doesn't keep up with the other three. Which is a crying shame. Yeah. yeah. But also, maybe in future years, the Genesis Coupe will return updated, reborn. There's a possibility, but right now, what uh, what Alex says is that there's kind of like a vague and unsatisfying manual uh, that compares poorly to the the better units in the Ford and Chevy. Uh, So that's one knock against them. The steering is numb. Yeah, there's the V6 power power that lacks the punch uh, compared to the other vehicles. Um, yeah, the steering is numb, which they say is, you know, a cardinal sin for a sports car, yeah. of course. Well, not a sports car, I guess, a, a pony car. And I think it's interesting that, you know, that Alex notes that, you know, if there were updates to this one, that it would be competitive in that segment. You know, if, if they would just do the minimum, I guess, at this point, if they, if they would offer, 
a lightening package, you know, right. like, uh, like, like lighter weight components to add onto this vehicle, sure. or if a stiffening package, you know, that would do would improve the suspension, right. something like that. Maybe even, uh, some turbos for the yeah, V6. Well, or, or, you know, let's just go all out here. Let's offer a V8 option. Why not? Uh, but, but the turbos thing is probably a better solution for kind of a, a, a mid range effort, or as I, I think they call it a sophomore, uh, sophomore effort. Uh-huh. Uh, something in between, you know, like, uh, just, just upgrade what's there. And make it more competitive, but they're just not doing that. They're kind of letting it uh, hang out on the line to dry at this point. That's my own words, by the way. I just think that's what's happening. It's like it's uh, uh, everybody else is just surpassing it. Yeah, getting left in the dust. Yeah, and, you know, this list, I mean, really, if you read uh, the list, you know, the worst cars we drove this year from Autoblog and the best of as well, uh, you're going to find that, you know, there's a lot more to it than what we've mentioned here. We just kind of like the funny points, I guess. Right. Uh, and, you know, some of the standout lines. Yeah. And we want to hear what you think. What are some of the worst cars of 2015 in your opinion? Yeah. Oh, we have some listeners. We have a, we have one listener that gets to drive future product. Yeah. That's so cool. Uh, with, so, you know, un, totally unbadged, doesn't even know what they are, but like he might write in and with us with some photos and some descriptions and say, I don't know it for sure, but I think I'm driving the GTI R version right now. Right. Uh, but he's not positive of that. You know, it could be. Uh, but he's got some really interesting on-the-road stories. And, you know, um, and I'd love to hear uh, kind of your opinions about, you know, some, some later model vehicles. You know, the ones from 2015, 2016 that you own. Mm-hmm. Cars that, you know, you bought with an, a certain expectation and you find that maybe it's not all that you thought it would be, like my wife's Jeep Renegade. Or maybe you're pleasantly surprised. Yeah, that's right. Maybe, uh, you know, like the, the Mazda MX-5 Miata. You know, maybe you bought it not, you know, of course you probably knew what to expect, but <laughs> you might not have thought that this would be the greatest car you've ever owned, uh, right. as that one reviewer mentioned. Yeah, let us know what you think. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter, as we as we do say. And, you know, our Facebook is doing pretty well. Mentioned that earlier. There's some really neat stuff, you guys, that Scott's posting on there that doesn't make it to the air, but is is worth checking out. Ah, shucks, Ben. I appreciate the compliment, but uh, maybe you should check out Ben's stuff on Twitter, because oh, Ben cool, typically handles the Twitter, and, uh, and I applaud what you do there as well. Well, thanks, Scott. I appreciate that. Uh, which reminds me, if you want to check out any podcast we've ever done, uh, visit our website, carstuffshow.com. And if you have a suggestion for something we should cover in the future or uh, want to help us pile on to <laughs> making fun of the Mitsubishi Outlander. <laughs> yeah, you can do that. You could do that. Yeah, or you can not? tell us the best car. Oh, yeah, the best car, too. Yeah. Uh, and the best way to do that is to write to us directly. We are carstuff at howstuffworks.com. And i got to get out of here because it's taco night at home. more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at HowStuffWorks.com. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Bring spring color inside this season with Bare Premium Plus paint, starting at just $28.98 a gallon at The Home Depot. Add a pop of blue to your kitchen with the bare exclusive color Arrowhead Lake or a splash of Amazon jungle to your living room. Bring a cool breeze to your bathroom with sea glass or accent your bedroom with sunrise-inspired colors like coral cloud and dark crimson. Let your creativity bloom this spring with bare premium plus paint starting at just $28.98 a gallon at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.